Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live.
Good morning, Northern Maine. Welcome to the Northern Maine Landman Show on the Constitutional Radio Network, Conscience of Maine. Broadcast today on the TalkShoe Radio Network, worldwide. Today is Saturday, October 26th, and in Northern Maine, we got rain and fog, temperature 41 today. Sunday is going to be rain and fog. Temperature of, let's see, 37 degrees. And Monday, partly sunny, high of 36. There is a lot going on in this world. And Fidel Castro died during the night last night, which is an event that's celebrated throughout the world by freedom-loving people everywhere. And he'll be mourned by the few remaining tyrants in this world. I was in high school when he took over down there, and Fulgencio Batista was a leader of Cuba at the time, and he he was corrupt, as a lot of leaders with power and small nations are in this world. But he wasn't a tyrant. Anywhere on the scale of Fidel Castro and Cuba has lived under tyranny since 1959. And he broadcast his tyranny throughout Central and South America, all of the Spanish speaking nations, including Mexico. He tried to cause chaos and disruption and bloodshed in Mexico and virtually every country in South America. Didn't didn't have much progress in Brazil, but all the way down from the tip of Cape Horn, all the way up through to the California border, there was religious and hatred, discontent, communism, and uh, it was a bad, bad time. I was down there. I was in Cuba the first time. Uh, the Cuban dictator tried to take over. I thought I'd never forget that name. But uh, I was in the Dominican Republic when they had their little revolution and uh, it lasted about 10 weeks. But on day one or day two, I had the only helicopter in the Dominican Republic. Uh, Two of us, two naval officers, Marius A. Gash, Matty Gash and I were the only two helicopter pilots in the country. We're the only helicopter in the country. We were popular fellows. We flew into the U.S. Embassy one at a time because this is a one-pilot helicopter, no co-pilot, no, no other controls, just one pilot and a bench for three behind. It had a uh, reciprocating engine. It was the first Bell Ranger The most famous Bell Rangers, of course, are the Jet Ranger, which came later. But this this helicopter, uh, we flew into the embassy, and the embassy was surrounded by stone walls uh, in concrete, 14 feet high, and it was a small courtyard. And uh, we had to come in vertically down between the trees. They cut some branches later. I didn't cut any branches. I came close, though. Blew the leaves off some. And uh, had to bring the tail rotor down between two trees to get in there. Pick straight up out of there, fly over the wall and up the street. The Marines were on top of the wall. And the first guy we took out was a uh, Marine bird colonel. He did not want to leave his Marines behind, but he was ordered to leave, and this is the only way out. So... He had been the uh, chief of staff for the Supreme Headquarters Allied Forces in Europe, SHAFE. And he knew all the plans about what we were going to do if the Russians came into Germany through the Fulda Gap. There's a small mountain range there, and there's one good road in for armor. That's that's the way they were going to come in if they did come in. Never happened. But uh, there was a lot of tension back during the Cold War. And there were fruit flare-ups where it wasn't so cold. And when I flew in there to 
Santo Domingo, which is their capital city, right on the south coast of the Dominican Republic. Uh, the president, in case he had to leave, they had a ship at the pier. It was a merchant ship. It took both cargo and passengers. And they had a ship at the pier. Don't know what flag it was on there because there was no flag on it when I went by. It was on fire. They sank the ship at the pier. So the president's escape route was was uh, blocked. And he went to an alternate site, and he had his troops around him, and he was protected. But they sure did raise cane with the teachers and the businessmen. That's who communists kill first. They kill the teachers because they, uh, they uh, hold the knowledge that makes society successful most of the time. Those teachers are good people. They want to they wanna educate their kids. And in our country today, we've got common core. And as I said last week, maybe the week before, I went to the main school management association conference down in Augusta. We go down every year, wife and I, as representatives of our school board. They can send whoever they want. They send us. So, and they pay our way, you know, they pay our admission in there. There's a fee to, to attend. And they pay our travel down and back. But uh, anybody could go, but they prefer to send us, and that's okay with us. I go down there and gather a whole lot of intelligence. And Common Core was spoken of two years ago, and last year, they were really celebrating last year because Common Core was being implemented, despite the fact that Steve Bowen slid it in and didn't tell the governor. Well, Steve Bowen was so acclaimed for his perfidy that he got to work for Common Core nationally down in Washington, D.C., in the Obama administration. And uh, I don't think he's going to have a job down there unless he's some some kind of a lobbyist working again for Common Core. So, it's been a little over two weeks since the election. We've had a fine Thanksgiving. Both our sons were up here, and one son has departed. He's going to bring some Christmas trees home with him. Kind of a damp day, but he's ready for it. And... The show is going to cover a whole bunch of different, seemingly dissimilar subjects today, but I just learned, like a few minutes ago, that Fidel Castro had finally passed away, and, and uh, glad there's the cockles of my pea-picking heart, because I dealt with the effects of his activities in South and Central America over the, over time. I got uh, found out this morning that Google Earth Pro has an update. Now, it used to be that Google Earth Pro cost $300 to get on your computer. They had a Google Earth thing, but it was it was kind of rudimentary. Uh, Google Earth Pro came along, and it was awesome. It was really good. They had much better photographs. You could draw lines on it. You could track yourself wherever you want to go. They can, you could download it off your handheld GPS on the Google Earth Pro and show your favorite deer stands and your favorite places to fish and, and all this stuff. Lots of stuff you can do to customize. And you can show every single boat launch in the state of Maine, even the ones where you have to carry your canoe and put in. If it's a public access boat launch, uh, you know, you can put it on your GPS, on Google Earth, and show it. So that's that's a good thing. I downloaded that this morning. I haven't had time to play for, play with it yet. But it's free. Google Earth Pro is now free to everybody. You can download it, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing. You can play with it. You're not going to hurt it. You can zoom in, and you can see tire tracks on your own property. Now, bear in mind, they're not tire tracks that were made today, so don't rush out there and see who's out there. Uh, in our area, uh, it was uh, April 20th, approximately, this year that the satellite photographs were taken. 
And in some cases, Google Earth uses photographs that were done by an airplane, and not just satellite. And they're really, really sharp. You can zoom in and you can look at the different bricks in a chimney. And they've got side views. And so you can look at it. And then the Google Earth rides around with these uh, with these Prius cars. And they take pictures going down the street. And they electronically take the people out of the pictures. So if somebody's out there watering the lawn in their bathing suit, you know, you're not going to be on Google Earth when this vehicle goes by. But there's must be a dozen or more cameras looking forward, 45 degrees left and right, looking to the rear. And you can move the cursor along and look at your own house. Now, if you live out in the Willy Walls, it's not going to be on there. But more and more towns all the time are coming up with Google Earth. Upset about that for the day. Donald Trump has been elected president of the United States. And I saw a picture of George Soros with a caption and said, I paid $300 million to fix an election and all I got was a Hillary t-shirt. <laughs> oh, that makes me smile. George Soros. He's just as destructive to sovereignty of various nations as Fidel Castro was. And I wonder if George Soros is older than Castro was. George Soros is getting on in years. He ruined a whole bunch of countries in Central Europe as the Soviet Union began to decline, and he just destroyed their economies through manipulation, financial manipulation. And he's a powerful and dangerous man. Mentioned before that that we are at risk of financial chaos because there are $770 trillion of derivatives out there in the financial world. And people don't know this. Fewer than 1% of the people in our country, I would say, do not know that our banks are claiming that these are assets. Well, $770 trillion simply does not exist. These are anticipated revenues of the proceeds of interest-bearing accounts. Billy and Susie. I've mentioned Billy and Susie many times. Young couple get, takes out a mortgage on a house and like 50% of all the marriages in our country, Billy and Susie split. For whatever reason, it just doesn't work out for them. And they don't, they stop making payments on the house. Well, the bank lets Susie stay in the house and keep the lights on. And the state comes in and pays Susie's light bill and you know keeps Susie going because she's got another baby on the way, which doesn't happen to be Billy. So they, uh, the bank calls this house a performing asset because it's occupied. But the bank, nobody's, make, nobody's paying the bank. Well, that's one, one false situation. You know, there's a whole lot of mortgages out there that aren't being serviced by the person that gave the mortgage on the property. Now, this includes Billy and Susie's house, includes condominiums, it includes farms. The, the, the farmer can't make it. He cannot generate enough income through the sale of his crops and animals to service the debt on the farm. And then they have what they call ghost malls. There are malls in our country where all the stores are closed, and the only thing they're doing in parking lots is people are flying these little model drones around and and having uh, radio-controlled cars. You know, a kid gets a car for Christmas or his birthday, and he runs around with his radio-controlled car in the parking lot of this abandoned mall. 
they are not performing assets. They're not paying the banks. The bank knows that they foreclose on the mall, take possession of the mall. Nobody wants the mall. Everybody's buying their stuff from Amazon or one of the other mail order houses. I like I like Midway Shooter Supply. They're good outfit and uh, good honest prices. The stuff you want to buy shows up on schedule, whether it's ammunition, gun parts, scopes, everything except firearms. You can buy firearms through uh, through Midway, and uh, it, you have to have it shipped to somebody that's willing to accept them and transfer it to you, so they run your background check. And you can just you can buy rifles, and you can buy shotguns, you can buy uh, military-style firearms, semi-automatic, and you can buy a machine gun off over the internet and have it shipped to somebody that's licensed to sell them, and you can pay your $300 tax stamp, and you can buy a fully automatic firearm in the USA. Now, some states prohibit this, and, you know, they don't want you to have them. Well, I've spoken in the past about the debate that went on in Philadelphia regarding the private ownership of firearms. You know, even back following the Revolutionary War, there were a few people that didn't want people having privately owned firearms. They didn't want there to be any militias or committees of safety or anything else. But the states' rights people prevailed. They said, look, we are 13 sovereign states, and we want to have a small federal government. And it's a good show on Broadway, they tell me. I'll never see it. I can't go to New York City. I don't go anywhere unarmed. and I will fly on commercial airplanes, and I'm not going to New York City. I'm not going to Connecticut unless I have to. I may have to go down there for a special occasion once in a while, but I spend as little time there as possible and kind of pray and keep my fingers crossed while I'm there. Can't go to Massachusetts, same reason. New York... But these things are going to change because Donald Trump wants to have your concealed firearms permit legal in all 50 states, just like a driver's license. If you qualify to have a driver's license, you know, and you're, you don't have a bunch of felonies and drunk driving arrests, you have a driver's license. And if you commit vehicular homicide, you know, you won't have it for a while can't drive anywhere, not at hometown and not across the country. But if you have a driver's license, it's good in all 50 states. And if you have a concealed firearms permit, it ought to be good in all 50 states, including New York City. Mayor de Blasio would be wringing his hands. But we had a police chief in Portland, Maine, who was hired by Detroit to be the police chief out there. He was a no-nonsense guy, likes liberty, likes freedom, and Portland did well. After Joey Chitwood left, this guy came in, and and uh, he did a good job in Portland, Maine. Detroit wanted to bring him out there, uh, and they did. He says, well, I'll, I'll pleased to be offered the job, and he went out and interviewed and everything. He said, but I've got a couple of conditions. What do you mean? He says, everybody who doesn't have a felony on their conviction or has been not been convicted, yeah, has not been convicted of, you know, spousal abuse, can have a concealed firearms permit in Detroit. Oh, well, geez, we can't have that here. Why not? You take a look at the people in your city who are convicted felons. They can't have them legally. But those honest, hardworking taxpayers, citizens, should have a right to protect themselves. And if you do this and you hire me, the crime rate will go down and will soon approach 
the crime rate in Portland, Maine, which is pretty low compared to Detroit. So they agonized over it, and then finally they came to a, a conclusion, and they said the, the majority, not just a, a one-vote majority, the vast majority, there's only a couple of city councilors that said, no, no, we don't want to hire him. He wants to let people have firearms. So he went out there, and he delivered on his promise. The crime rate in Detroit dropped substantially. Not just the murder rate, all crime rate. Burglaries went down. And in Detroit, they're demolishing the derelict buildings that are simply not economically viable to repair. I mean, it's vandalized, the roof leaks, and the building ought to be torn down. And they're doing that. Well, these derelict buildings were havens for criminals. And the criminals are losing their havens. They have to go someplace else to pursue their criminal activities. Detroit is getting better. So this stuff works. Now, just today, I learned that Donald Trump has chosen a legal advisor. And let's see if I've got his name here. I'll get it in a second. Donald McCann. Donald McCann is a really good lawyer. And he worked on the Trump campaign. And he's a libertarian. He is not a registered Republican. He's a libertarian. He wants small government. Well, guess what? Donald Trump wants smaller government. You can't wipe it out. We're not going to... You know, by by June 30th, we're not going to have a shrunken federal government. We can't do it that quickly. It's taken a long time to build this bureaucracy, and it's going to take a long time to weed the garden. But weed it we will, and it'll be productive again. I was not a Trump supporter in the beginning, but Trump defeated the other 15 candidates that was nominated by the Republican Party as the best possible guy standing, the best one left. And he defeated Hillary Rodham Clinton. Now the Democrats want to do away with the Electoral College. Next thing you know, they'll want to have one man, one vote, and say each state cannot have two senators. Well, the Senate is a valuable branch of government. The Senate is where bad bills go to die. Now, the House are the big spenders. They spend like a bunch of drunken sailors. And I have seen drunken sailors spend money. It's a spectacular event. (laughs) But the House votes all kinds of stuff. And they earmarked all kinds of stuff and added on to the bills. They want to build a, the uh, Claiborne Pell Memorial Rotary Traffic Circle. <laughs> and they'll build it with federal dollars. I mean, they all kinds of earmarks. They had a guy down there in, in Kentucky, Senator Robert Byrd, Grand Cleagle of the Ku Klux Klan. For those that haven't heard so, all members of the Ku Klux Klan were Democrats. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican, founded the Republican Party, and the Ku Klux Klan were all Democrats. That's not taught in our public schools, but it ought to be. I mean, the facts that have compromised, or the facts that have comprised, rather, our history ought to be taught in the schools. Here, watch it all. Now, we've got a few a few things in our past that are, you know, we made mistakes in our nation. And, you know, those mistakes have, for the most part, been corrected. One was prohibition. Public drunkenness was a problem. So they say, well, we'll outlaw liquor. And they did. That went for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. And they finally said, look, this isn't working, and the bootleggers are getting rich. 
when I was a kid, my father showed me a building that was a, a speakeasy. Now, speakeasy was a an establishment restaurant, often served very good food, but they served liquor during the 1920s and up until 1933 when it was prohibited. It was illegal in our country. And these speakeasies existed. You'd go down an alley and in a back door and you went to this very fine restaurant. Well-appointed, good furniture, friendly people, and they served alcohol. And I I never was in that building because I was a kid. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they had really fine restaurants in old warehouses and places like that in the, in the kind of a cross the tracks in the seedy side of town. But people went there and they went out there for dinner, had a couple of beers or, or a gin and tonic or whatever, and uh, the speakeasies existed illegally. And when it and then when they had when the prohibition ended, <laughs> there were parties all over the place, and alcohol came out of the came out of the, the walls and hidden places. In this house where I am at right this moment, we put an addition on the house about 20 years ago. We bumped out the west wall and expanded the house out to the west. We tore the wall right off. Supported the wall. My son uh, was here for this weekend and had a fine Thanksgiving. Both sons here at the same time. It doesn't happen very often. We very thoroughly enjoyed it. When I took the wall off the house, we uh, Inside the wall, there were three brass kerosene lantern mantles, which is the brass part where you crank the wick up and down, and the wick hangs down into the kerosene. And we, there were three of them lined up right in a row with the handles all off to the right-hand side and about five inches apart, very neatly lined up there. And I guess they had saved those just in case this electricity thing didn't work out because this house was certainly built before there was any electricity in Maine. And I just fixed the light in the upstairs bedroom that had failed. Nothing. The new light fixtures you buy today don't fit the old uh, outlet there. So i got to make an adapter. But inside the wall also, there was a medicine jar, a pint bottle with a screw cap and a paper label that wrapped around it and it said Miss Lydia's Preparation for Ladies and had a picture of a lady of, of this Miss Lydia I suppose just a drawing on there and she had a long skirt and a high, high collar and hair that, that looked like it was from the 1920s you know and, and it listed all of the female maladies that could be aided if they took Miss Lydia's preparation for ladies. So I, and this was down inside the wall. You had to go up on the second floor and reach down over the, over the there was no insulation in the walls where I bought this place. And there is now. <laughs> there was after that first winter, I'll tell you. But you reach down in this wall, and right beside where the brass mantles were was this pipe bottle for Miss Lydia's preparation for ladies. And the cap was screwed on tight, and I tried to unscrew it. I didn't want to break the bottle. So I took a, a little piece of metal, and I tapped on the cap, and I grabbed it with a pair of pliers. There's no such thing as a leatherman yet back then. And grabbed the, put a piece of leather around the, the metal cap and, and tapped on it and wiggled it, and the cap came loose. So I took the cap off and took the piece of cardboard under the cap off and took a sniff. It was rum. This Lydia's preparation for ladies has been used up. And the missus back then would take a couple of ounces out of hubby's bottle of rum and put it in her own bottle. Had a little funnel. And she'd put the cap back on and she had rum to make it through the day. She, didn't, she couldn't take a lot of it all at once because 
Probably you might might notice that it's gone. Blame the kids or something. But but uh, it's kind of interesting when I found that in the wall. <laughs> Made me smile. So this Donald McCann is uh, a libertarian. He's going to be Trump's legal advisor. And he is noted for being suspicious of government. Because he understands that government does not always have our best interests in mind. Government, left to itself, will increase its power and become tyranny. And our forefathers fought against tyranny. And finally came down to it on April 19, 1775, at Lexington and Concord, when the government came out, and they wanted to take our firearms and our munitions and our provisions. Because we had root vegetables. We had parsnips and turnips and potatoes and carrots that had made it through the winter. And Boston was running out of this stuff because most farmers wouldn't trade with the redcoats. Of course, there were a lot of civilians, residents of Boston, that didn't want to leave because the British would take over their property. They were kind of stuck. And on April 19, 1775, the Redcoats marched out of Boston to seize our firearms, and they had a very bad day. This is what we teach at Project Appleseed. I mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again. The next Project Appleseed event is going to be in February, excuse me, in March, at Monmouth, 12 miles southeast of Augusta, right on Route 202. Don't have the date right at hand, but... On a weekend in March, we're going to have a winter seat. And if you qualify as rifleman in the wintertime, you get a special patch. It's blue and white with a black border, and it, uh, it's got icicles hanging off the bottom of the patch. And I've been the shoot boss at a number of apple seeds in wintertime. And next time, this coming March, I've got some good instructors coming along and I'm going to flop down on the line with my rifle and try to make try to make it uh, and rifleman score in the wintertime. I think I could do it. <laughs> I better be able to do it. <laughs> be embarrassing if I didn't. I'll have to practice a little bit beforehand. It's easy to get rusty. Being a rifleman is a perishable skill. You can do it. It's like landing on an aircraft carrier. You know, it's it's something it's something to be proud of. It it demonstrated uh, substantial skill to accomplish that feat. It's the same with a rifleman in Project Appleseed. You know, when you've shown you can do it, you get the patch. And it says rifleman. We've been a nation of riflemen from the beginning. Now there were no rifles. In New England, on April 19, 1775, there were muskets, and they weren't not—they weren't nearly as accurate as rifles. But when they, some of the Americans had Charleville muskets. Now, French Charleville, Charlevilles were captured from the French during the French and Indian War 20 years earlier, 1755, approximately. And the French syllables had front sights on them, like a bead on a shotgun. Now, if you're firing slugs with a shotgun, you're more likely to hit your target if you've got a bead on the front sight. Now, there are some shotguns that don't have front sights. They're close quarters riot guns. They hold eight or ten shotgun shells, pump or semi-automatic. And when you're up that close, you don't have to have a front sight. Some alley or something. You don't have to have front sight on there. You're going to be effective. But rifles need front sights and rear sights and slings. After two centuries of governance, one of the finest accomplishments of our nation is the GI Web sling. Having a sling on your rifle will make you a better shooter. It's far more stable support when you when it comes time to squeeze the trigger. I'm not going to dwell on that today because there's a whole lot to cover. But 
this Donald McCann libertarian is going to be Donald Trump's legal advisor. Now that he doesn't have, the legal advisor does not have to be conferred by Congress. And getting this crew confirmed by Congress is going to be a chore because there are a bunch of Republicans down there who have misusing our name. They've got an R beside their name, and they happen to be in the U.S. Senate. And one of the worst of the bunch is Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is the president of the Senate. No, Senate Majority Leader, excuse me. President of the Senate is the Vice President. And that's going to be Mike Pence. And he only votes to break ties. And he's going to be voting because we have a few in there who oppose liberty and freedom. They are progressives who are disabusing our freedoms, our liberties, and our platform. Mitch McConnell is a traitor to his state of Kentucky. He is a traitor to our party. He's a traitor to our nation. That's a pretty strong thought to express on worldwide radio where your name is going to be out there and your people are going to be able to hear this broadcast down through the centuries because people are downloading it and putting it on hard drives. So when you say something, you want to be able to back it up. Mitch McConnell has violated the precepts of our platform. He has killed the coal industry in the state of Kentucky at Barack Hussein Obama's behest. It's harmful to our economy. We have clean coal. Some of the best coal in the world comes out of Kentucky and uh, West Virginia. Get up into Pennsylvania, there's more sulfur. But we have clean coal in our country. It's available. And the cleanest coal in the whole country was taken out of production by William Jefferson Clinton, Slick Willie. It is in Utah, and it is on the ground in the Grand Escalante Staircase. Look it up. Grand Escalante Staircase. You scrape the sagebrush off, and there's coal right there. You can kick a piece loose with your toe. It's right there on the surface. They could harvest that coal, use that clean coal to power our plants and replace some of the trees and the plants and the tomatoes and the corn and the potatoes and the and the wheat. All that stuff needs carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is plant food. So don't be guilty about starting up the truck or breathing because carbon dioxide is plant food. Now, when a tree dies and the stump rots and the tree falls over and it goes back into the ground, two things happen. The carbon is released as carbon dioxide because when iron rusts, you get iron oxide. And when silver tarnishes, you get silver oxide. And when a tree rots, you get carbon dioxide from the carbon, but you also get polychlorinated biphenyls, PCBs, which is a natural thing from the decomposition of plants. And they were blaming the paper mills for creating this. Well, when you cook wood chips, it releases the natural chemicals. And in the case of Lincoln, in Lincoln Mill, at the Lincoln Mill in Lincoln, they have a pulp mill, or did have, until it blew up. But they tested the, the Penobscot River above and below the mill, and it turns out that the Penobscot River below the mill is cleaner than the Penobscot River above the mill. They say, well, why is the river tan? The river is tan, almost tea-colored at some seasons of the year, especially during spring runoff, because all the rotting vegetation in the entire watershed flows downhill. Water flows downhill. 
This is not a momentous scientific discovery. I think everybody in the whole world knows that water flows downhill. So it flows down into a little stream, flows into a bigger stream, and it flows into the Penobscot River, and then it flows into the Atlantic Ocean, as it has since before man ever came here. It's a natural thing. It's like global warming or climate change. Well, maybe it's warming at the moment. But it has warmed and cooled for the last few million years. And it's not caused by hairspray. It's not caused by paint. It's not caused by your automobile or your home heating fuel or anything else. It has always occurred that it's not caused by man. So, we knew this. And scientists are more and more coming out and saying, you know, this whole global warming thing is a huge scam. The state of Maine bought carbon credits, thinking it was a good investment. Just back during the Baldacci era. John Baldacci was one of Fidel Castro's best buddies. He went down there and took pictures of him with arms around Fidel Castro. Yeah, that's who he had for governor. I don't think Paula Page would go visit and honor a dictator. I just don't think it would happen. So anyway, they... uh, John Baldacci did go down and, and hug Fidel Castro. You could look it up on, you know, on today. would be a good day to do it because Fidel Castro has kicked the bucket. But global warming and Fidel Castro and socialism and tyranny are all woven into one fabric. Al Gore made a whole pile of money selling carbon credits. I don't know if he invented carbon credits, but he sure took it. Took a he sure got millions of dollars out of it selling carbon credits. When he who did he buy the carbon credits from? He didn't. He just ran them off on the copy machine in his office and started selling these pieces of paper as carbon credits. People could take take them as a tax deduction, and Al Gore got the money. Lots of people jumped on the bandwagon. They're selling carbon credits all over the place. And I would bet that some of these carbon credits are floating around as assets on bank ledger sheets as as credits. And they paid $100 for a carbon credit, and they paid 100000 for 100000 for 1000 carbon credits, and they spent $100 million for a million carbon credits. Well, somebody got the hundred million, and it's the guy that cut, ran off the carbon credits on his copy machine. It was a scam. The whole thing was a scam. And last time I checked, you can still check because it's public information as to what the assets are for the state of Maine. And the last time I checked, the carbon credits are worth fifty-seven cents each, and the state is still holding them. I mean, who's going to buy them? What they ought to do is sell them for $1.95 framed in a, in a 99 cent frame for Walmart and you own a carbon credit. You can hang it on the wall as a babetto of something we don't want to ever do again. It's like going to the, to the state fair. Go down to the Freiburg Fair, the Skowhegan Fair, or even the Springfield Fair in Springfield, Maine, 165th annual year coming right up. You go to the fair and you can buy a $1 billion note issued by Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is a, is a catastrophe economically. You can still go to Zimbabwe on a, on a hunt, hunting wild game. And they have trophy hunters that are prosperous people. They earn their money in business, and this guy has always wanted to shoot a, a Cape Buffalo. Or he's always wanted to shoot one of the big uh, 
antelopes and hang the head on his wall. And you can do that. And there are people in Zimbabwe that make money taking people out on safaris. So that's that's something you can do, and it's legal. But that's the only source of money coming into Zimbabwe. That and blood diamonds. They go on down through streams and riverbeds, and they find raw diamonds. And there's a there is a uh, a movie out called Blood Diamonds. And I went to the movie because I was interested in the economic aspects of it. And they uh, they have a an expression in the movie. It's TIA. If something really incongruous and peculiar occurs, they say TIA. This is Africa because there are so many superstitions in little little power centers in Africa. They have, and the the average the common man in Africa is is in poverty as compared with the rest of the world. And they cope with their situation. We send uh we send cattle there that where they can you know the village can have milk for their kids and and uh if they've got somebody with the foresight to save the next cow and make sure there's a bull in the area, you know, you can establish a small dairy herd. If you've got people with sense enough to play in so you don't kill all the bulls, they can't reproduce without them. So we're, we're helping people in Africa. I know a guy who sends clothing by the bale to Africa, and he's, he sells his clothing. And these used-up shirts and baby clothes and children's clothes and adult clothes uh, are sold for like 10 cents a piece or something. And he makes a living doing this. And it's a commendable thing to try to help out people who are in dire straits. Which brings me to Pat I. Pat I, E-Y-E, lives at Eddington. And she began the first hospice program in the state of Maine at St. Joseph's Hospital. She is now 87 years old, lives at Orrington. And she took a look at this situation, and she knew that in Europe they had hospice. Well, hospice is a commendable service provided by people for people who are dying, people who are have a fatal disease or condition, and they're not going to live much longer. So these people ease the dying person's end-of-life experience. And the good people, people that are involved in hospice, have looked death in the eye and didn't blink. I've never been involved in hospice. I have a great respect for those people that are. And there are a whole lot of military veterans who have looked death in the eye and didn't blink. They function well in that situation. They're efficient and have the courage and the skills to deal with the situation as it exists. I became an EMT because my wife and I and the boys used to go wilderness canoe camping. And we canoed all the major rivers in Maine, and we canoed the major rivers in New York State. We lived out there for a few years and came home to Maine. We went down the Saginaw River in Quebec, and when you're out there, you're out there. You know, if you have an injury, you're going to be able to deal with it efficiently and minimize the effect and make things better than they would have been. That's what EMT to do. And I got great respect for them. And they make things better. And we had an EMT that went through my class. And, and uh, on her first call, she went to a, 
uh, the scene of a suicide. The person was dead. There was no help in the person. Yeah, that was it. That was her only call as an EMT. That's it. I can't do this. That's okay. That's okay. If you can't deal with it, then serve your town in some other way. Play in the town band. Coach Little League. Run a brownie troop. Do something. Help your town. Be a citizen. Citizenship used to be, used to entail responsibility. And we've drifted away from that. So we need to get, for people to become more actively involved. And one way is to have guys like this Donald McCann, libertarian, who is suspicious of government, and he's going to be a legal advisor to Donald Trump. Now, some people don't like the fact that Donald Trump has chosen some very intelligent, highly successful people to be in his cabinet. There are people in our country that would like his entire cabinet to be filled with welfare recipients and advocates for alien criminals which is what we've got under Barack Hussein Obama. Well, he's not leaving Washington. He's going to stay in Washington. And he's going to shine the bright light on Donald Trump. And the press is just as gleefully going to pre- promote his point of view for the next four years as they have for the last eight years. And people that read the newspapers are going to believe this hogwash. But there are people, citizens, patriots, who have stepped up and said no. In the state of Maine, there were about 12,000 people who walked into the polling place, checked no on number three, and walked out. They didn't vote on the other referendum questions. They didn't vote for President of the United States because they didn't like Trump or Hillary. They walked in and they voted no on question three. They want to keep their firearms. And if everybody in Cuba had had an old Springfield rifle in the closet and 10 rounds and the will to use it, Fidel Castro would be a forgotten footnote in history. The same with Adolf Hitler. If every Jew in Germany had had a Mauser and 10 rounds of the will to use it, Adolf Hitler would have been a forgotten paper hanger in Germany. Riflemen and citizens will make this country great again. I'm not even halfway down my list. But Pat I, don't forget that name, she just died. And she was a noble lady. Fidel Castro just died, and he was an ignoble tyrant. Vano McCoyan just died. Vano McCoyan designed and developed the MiG-29, Russia's best fighter. And it was to oppose our F-15 and our F-16. F-15 has got one pilot. The F-16 has a pilot and Rio, radar intercept officer and bomber. Bombardier, if you will. Now, the difference in philosophy between the Russian aviation and American aviation, our, our stuff is tough, very delicate. It needs to be finely tuned. You could land a MiG-29 on a frozen lake, assuming the ice is thick enough, open a hatch, take a hand-cranked winch, which is inside the hatch, plug it in the airplane, unfasten a bunch of fasteners, and lift the engine out and set it on the ice. A truck pulls up with a new engine. It's already been run. It's already tuned. You pick up the new engine, you set it in the MiG-29, connect up all the standard fasteners, 
pull the pull the hoist out, stick it in the hoist compartment in the airplane. Close the hatch, and the pilot takes off in an hour and a half from the frozen lake. A lot of lakes in Russia, and it's cold in Russia. And you've got a plowed runway. You can land the MiG-29 on the ice and change the engine on the ice while it's snowing. You can't do that with an F-15 or an F-16. But it's a, it's a different point of view. And we should consider the points of view of other nations who have some successful stuff. This has been the Northern Maine Landman Show, and I didn't cover half the stuff I could have covered today. But one one good thing that's happening is that Nancy Pelosi is being opposed as the House Minority Leader. They've got a guy from the Midwest who was the old-time Democrat, and he's a pretty good guy. And if they're ever going to pull it together again, they're going to have to get people like him in there instead of people like Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid. Well, we're going to see some big changes in the next four years, and I feel encouraged by it. People are worried, oh, my God, we got this rich guy from New York. I don't think we need to worry too much. This has been the Northern Mainland Maine Show with the Constitutional Radio Network, the Conscious of Maine, live on Saturday, November 26, 2016, and brought to you on the Worldwide Talk Show Radio Network. Keep the spirit of Thanksgiving going right into Christmas. Keep the spirit of Christmas going into the future, and our nature will recover from the disastrous Eight years were just coming to an end. Be safe. Last day of deer season. Go out. Good luck. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.